Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We are now in Lesson 100. And last time we were in the book of Colossians in chapter 2. Let's go back to it again so we can have a continuity here. And in the verses uh, that preceded to the one that we stopped, uh, the Apostle Paul is telling, about, uh, telling the church that were mainly Gentiles here, that is of the nations who are now Israelites, members of the commonwealth of Israel, and therefore no longer Gentiles, but they were Israelites, and he's telling them that God brought them out of captivity to sin, to ignorance, to blindness, of disobedience to the Torah, and now he circumcised their heart by faith, because when they heard the preaching about salvation, about redemption through repentance, they were willing to uh, go all the way, and therefore God had forgiven them because of that, because they fulfilled the conditions of repentance, and faith in Christ, and now he made them circumcised in the heart. And all their sins and iniquities that they had in the past, which they have committed, that means iniquities against the law, the Torah of God, God wiped out. And that's what he told them in verse, uh, in verse 14, uh, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. In other words, by taking all of humanity's sins upon him, because that was his commission, to atone for the sins of his people Israel, of his wife, and also for the rest of mankind, who are going to be the children of the future marriage between him and Israel. And so he nailed all those things uh, to the cross. In other words, he, he, he nailed the verdict, the guilty verdict, that was on all men. And because if he didn't do it, then the plan of salvation could never work. Somebody had to come and atone for the sins of humanity, somebody greater than all of them put together. That's exactly what Paul is telling him. He never said anything about doing away with the Torah. But you see, the people in whose heart was disobedience, who were, who were still children of disobedience, and to this very day they are, were using the same line and the same argument. They came with this idea, and that did not come from the apostles, it didn't come from Paul, it didn't come from anyone else. It was totally contrary to everything that the apostles taught, because they were champions of the Torah and not disobedient to it, and so they taught everyone else. That's the only way they could bring anybody by preaching into repentance, by telling them that they have disobeyed the Torah of God and they must repent of those things and be obedient. And so for those who were willing to do it, he said, he wiped out the handwriting of the requirements. You know, the requirement was death. The wages of sin is death. That was the requirement. The law required the penalty. And somebody had to pay the penalty. There was a debt there that must be paid. That's exactly what he told them. That's the reason why later on Peter says that those who are unlearned. Why are they unlearned? Well, to begin with, they do not fear God. When you do not fear God, you do not obey God. And when you do not obey God, you have no understanding. And then when you read the scriptures, you want to read into them your own theory and your own uh, ideas. And you want to get away anyway from obedience, and so you're going to reason around it. That's exactly what the problem was, and it is to this very day. In other words, those were carnal-minded people who were enemies of God, and you are an enemy of God when you disobey His law, you become like the devil. And then you try to justify yourself by saying, well, the law is done away with, so really I don't have to obey anything. Christ did it for me. I live by faith and grace. Paul made it very plain, no. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments. This is what counts. Obedience to the law of God. This is what he preached. And yet they lied about him. The false prophets, the grievous wolves of the time, and the Colossians also had to be reminded of that. 
And so in verse 15 it said, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, the other ones, the spirit, the wicked spirits in high places are the ones that are inspiring men uh, to commit iniquity and uh, bring them to the point where they believe lies and their spirit of delusions and they're deceiving them. They've been doing it from the Garden of Eden as the devil had done it to Adam and Eve and led them astray. And now, by paying the penalty for it, he in essence neutralized their ability to bring men to death, to corruption, by sinning against the law of God, by transgressing the Torah of God. And so in that sense, he made fun of them, so to speak. He made a spectacle out of them. He took their power away from them, the power of death, through the sting of sin. And in that way, he triumphed over them. And he gave the victory to all of us who are willing not to walk in a way of disobedience, but to walk in the way of obedience to the law of God, not only in the letter, but also in the spirit, uh, now that he gives us the spirit, and he's writing it in our hearts. And so he says, therefore, understanding all these things, he says, let no one judge you in food or in drink. In other words, the clean and the unclean, that God told him where he can eat or he can drink, uh, or he can't. Or regarding a festival, the festivals of Israel. You see, now that they are the members of the commonwealth of Israel, what festivals do you think they are going to keep? And those who do not understand what the new covenant is all about, as Paul made it very plain, and he repeated the statement that God told Jeremiah to tell all of Israel for the day that is coming in Jeremiah 31, 31, when he's going to make a covenant with all the house of Israel and the house of Judah, that is the commonwealth of Israel, into which these Gentiles were being grafted, therefore becoming Israelites, and they're not going to be grafted if they're disobedient to that law that God gave Israel. And so when he makes that covenant, he's going to write his law, his Torah, in their heart and mind, the same one that he gave them in Sinai. And that's not talking only about the Ten Commandments, but the entirety of the body of law that he gave them, the Torah that he gave them, that is applicable to them, uh, no matter when and what. Whether there is a temple, there is not. And the Sabbath is one of them, and festival is one of them, and the new moon is one of them, and many of the statutes and judgments and precepts and testimonies are the same. They haven't changed. And that's what he tells them. Now that you are Israelites, don't allow the Gentiles to tell you, or make fun of you, or dissuade you, or deceive you, or tell you, you know, this is not for you, because the false prophets among the Gentiles that were supposedly now converted members, or from the outside, were, were uh, trying to lead them astray back to the old religion. So he tells them, you have to understand the context, what is really happening here. And if you don't understand that, and you don't understand what the, the Gentiles are now, the Israelites are no longer Gentiles. And as uh, Paul repeated that again in Hebrews 8, 8 to verse 12, about the new covenant. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah, that includes also the grafted ones, as God said all the time, one law shall be to you and to the strangers among you, the one who become a part of you all the way. That's what he's talking about. They must obey the same law as you do. And they will come under the same penalty as you will, if they disobey the law, the Torah. And so this is what he tells them. Nobody else outside of the body of Christ, outside of the commonwealth of Israel, which now there are only first fruits of them, only very few, and then all the, all the rest will join them later, that is, all the house of Israel will join them later, when God removes the veil and opens their eyes. And even then, Paul thought that it was coming in his day, you know, the entirety of the house of Israel was going to be redeemed. Of course, but only found out, now it's coming later after his lifetime, not knowing exactly when. But he's telling, basically, Gentiles who are now Israelites. 
Don't let anybody judge you about those matters that the Torah of God, Torah of Moses, the teachings of the prophets, all those that were magnified by Jesus Christ who said, don't think that I can't do away with the Torah or the prophets. Don't let anybody else tell you what to do. And then in the King, in the old King James it says, but the body of Christ. That is not the correct translation. And somebody wanted to change that theology and says, but the body is of Christ. Uh, wanting to deceive people to fit this statement into their own theology. That is false theology. But in essence he's telling them, nobody should be able to tell you those things that is not a part of the commonwealth of Israel. And yet, the ignoramuses that read this statement want to use it uh, in a very deceitful manner. And of course, they've been told lies, so they believe it's truth, that, aha, uh -huh, this is a, fa uh, a proof here that uh, the church does not need to keep a Sabbath of the holy days of the new moon and so forth and so forth. And yet, that's just the opposite. He told them, don't let anyone of the Gentiles who are not Israelites dissuade you from keeping the Torah of God, which includes the festivals and the new one of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come. In other words, they are symbolic, not a shadow. They are symbolic of things to come. But the sustenance is of Christ. And here it is a deception again in the New King James Version where they change their translation to mean something else. Uh, and that's how the, the, the counterfeit church and that's how the false prophets and the grievous wolves always deceive the people of God. This is not what he said. Paul was, was saying here very plainly that all these things, new moon and festivals and all that, are symbolic of what is to come. They, they, they describe the plan of God. So let no one tell you about those things but the body of Christ. In other words, only the members, the leadership, the members of the commonwealth of Israel. They are the ones that can tell you about those things and teach you about those things, not the outsiders. And so you see, to this very day, people are reading this statements and they are reading the mistranslation of it, the willful mistranslation of it, and they are being deceived to this very day. That's exactly what Christ said. Many shall come in my name. And so they tell them an awful lot of truth about Christ and then they deceive them. They deceive them by teaching contrary to the Torah of God and that's exactly what they've done here. When Paul made it very plain that the church is, the people of God are, the commonwealth of Israel is to keep the Torah of God that God gave them in Sinai. And yet they twisted that to mean that he just said the opposite. And those are willful liars who are going to stand in judgment before the throne of Christ. And as for the rest who have been deceived by them, well, their eyes are going to be opened and they will have the opportunity to repent of the lies that they've been taught. By now they should know anyway that God is speaking through the Apostle Paul to the commonwealth of Israel and he certainly is not going to tell them not to keep those things that he said are his. As he said very plainly in Leviticus chapter 23, these are the feasts of the eternal, of Jehovah. This is another feast of the Jews. This is another feast of Israel in that sense. They're the feast of God. You see, he is the one that commanded Israel to keep them, and he is the one that commanded all mankind to keep them, and he will in the future. That's why you read in uh, Zechariah 14, when God brings down the power and the pride of the nations, when he destroys the armies that come around Jerusalem, He's going to force them and all the remnant of mankind at that time to come to the feast, that is, at least representatives of them, and keep the feast of tabernacle, and for that matter, all the other feasts of Israel. That's the only religion that God recognizes, the religion that he gave to Israel. No other religion is accepted by him, no other religion has ever been taught by him or by his disciples or prophets or, or apostles or whatever, to this very day. And that's why God says, come out of Babylon. 
It's a religion of lies and deceptions. And so that's what he tells in verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward. You see, if you're going to listen to them and believe their lies and going to do uh, what they tell you to do and go back to the whole religion and invent your own holidays or, you know, stick to the pagan holidays that you had before that, you're going to be cheated of your own reward. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, which they do to this very day. And nowadays there is a big thing about angels. You see angels everywhere. Uh, TV series angels and a bunch of lies because people are not going to become angels. And introducing those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And he's speaking about the false prophets that were coming to deceive the people of God. The children of Israel, that were formerly Gentiles, but now are members of the commonwealth of Israel, and therefore subject to all the statutes and judgments and precepts and testimonies, and everything that God gave Israel to keep, that is not uh, uh, related to the temple. In other words, it's applicable to all. Everyone that calls upon the name of Christ, who is the God of Israel, the one that led Israel out of captivity from Egypt and gave them that law, they all must follow this Torah. And so Paul is warning them against it. And then we continue in First uh, Thessalonians with the story, when we come again to uh, a problem that uh, Paul is addressing, that is false prophets. And in chapter 2, and in verse 13, we read, but we are bound to give thanks to God that is Elohim, always for you, brethren. He says, always, the worship is directly first to the, to the Father, to the El Elyon, to the chief deity. And then after that, to the one under him, uh, who is also a deity, but under him. And so it says, uh, we are bound to give thanks to Elohim, always for you, brethren, beloved, by the, the Adon, that is the Lord, Jesus Christ. Because Elohim, from the beginning, or God from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, not believe in lies. And what is the truth? Your word is truth. What is the word of God? Everything that came out of the mouth of God. And what came out of the mouth of God is the law of God. And people don't understand that. And Paul made it very plain. And he taught them the law of God. And he taught them the teachings of God. And... Uh, uh, he taught them everything that Moses taught them, because that law God gave to Israel, to the commonwealth of Israel, for eternity, forever, to keep. And all those who are going to be grafted among them of the nations who want to follow also the God of Israel and receive the same promises and covenants, they are bound, to, bound also by the same law. That's what it means. Sin is the transgression of the law. That's what John said in 1 John 3, 4. And if you transgress the law, that is the Torah of God, that he gave to Israel in Sinai through Moses, and then... When he came in person, and also before that, through the prophets, he magnified it, and he made it even more binding, not less, but more. Or before it was, who shall not commit adultery? It's a physical act, which involves also, obviously, the passions, so it has a spirit uh, also in it. It's physical and spiritual problem that men have when they commit that. Also, that is, uh, you know, in that sense, also the women. But Christ came and magnified it even beyond that, made it more binding. Not did away with it, but made it even more binding. He says, you cannot even last in your heart. Even if you haven't done anything, and nobody even knows about it, you are the only one who knows about it. If you have lusted for a woman in your heart, it's as if you've already committed adultery. And if you hit your brother without even killing him, and you can hit your brother in so many ways, you're already a murderer. You see? The law of God was never done away with. On the contrary, it became even more magnified and more binding. 
And that's what the spirit of the law is. So people can say, well, and I keep the spirit of the law, I don't need to keep the letter of the law. No, they use it for the Sabbath and everything else. Well, I'm spiritual, I don't need to keep the Sabbath. I just keep it spiritually. Well, how about the law for adultery and stealing? You know, you're not, you're not going to last and you're not going to uh, uh, hate, but you say, well, I, I, you know, the letter of the law is no problem, so I can kill and I can commit adultery in the flesh. And that's exactly what the false church had done. They taught people that they can actually commit adultery and yet not be sinful because the soul is immortal and pure and it's a spiritual thing and uh, you do not really touch uh, uh, the soul by the physical action. And they sanctioned, in essence, uh, disobedience to the Torah of God. They made it of none effect. Yet, the Apostle Paul took the law of God from the beginning until the end. And uh, he never deviated from that. And so this is what he taught the, the Thessalonians. This is what he taught uh, wherever he wanted. Every congregation that was made first of the Jews, because he went to the synagogue, that was the foundation where the Torah was being taught, and the prophets, and all those that came there to the synagogue learned about the Torah and the prophets. So when he talked to them, they knew what he's talking about. They were not ignoramuses. They were not uh, deceived. Others were. They were coming from outside trying to deceive them. And yet Paul always taught the law of God never deviated from that. And so he told them that they must be obedient to that law, never deviate from that, and keep that law that God gave Israel from the beginning of time. And if they are to be a part of the commonwealth of Israel, not to be cheated of their reward, they must abide by the same Torah. And he reminded them in many places uh, of this law, every chance that he had. And to Israel... He gave the law, and all of them read it when they came to the synagogue, as, as we can read in Deuteronomy 33, and uh, verse 1. Now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And it is through Moses that God gave the law to all of Israel forever, and all those who are going to be grafted into Israel. That's why he told them, through the last prophet, Malachi, in the last few verses, remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I, I, the God of Israel, I, Jesus Christ, commanded to him for all of Israel and the statutes and judgments. And he added, at the end, if you do not keep that law and you do not restore your heart to the fathers and back and forth, fathers to sons and sons to fathers, in other words, to the fathers to whom the covenants were given and also in your family relationships and your community and your marriages, he said, I'm going to bring utter destruction. Utter destruction for what? For disobedience to the Torah that brings the breakdown in everything. In your relationship toward God, toward the community, and your own family. And so that law was never done away with. And this is what uh, Paul reminded them in many ways. In Deuteronomy, this is exactly what we read. And all of them who came to the, to the synagogue, the Gentiles, and continued to go to the synagogue, whatever they called it at the time, the house of worship, Later on, they obviously could not meet with the Jews because of uh, persecution as time went by, but didn't make any difference where they met. It was a house of worship, whether they called it synagogue or anything else. Synagogue, all it means is a congregation, ecclesia, you know, assembly. And so when they assembled, the law of God kept being, you know, they the constantly taught it, and the prophets, and the teachings of the, the disciples, which basically, whenever they preached to them, they preached from Moses and the prophets. What else there was there? Whatever the magnified became known later on as the New Testament. But what were they magnifying? They were magnifying Moses and the prophets. And so this is one of the things that they read. That Moses, the man of God, when he blessed Israel before his death, this is what he said. Verse 2. 
The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir and shone forth from Mount Paran and he came with ten thousands of his saints. He came with his holy angels. And from his right hand came a fiery law, the fiery Torah, for them. Yes, he loves the people. Speaking by the people of God, the people of Israel, with whom he made a covenant, a marriage covenant, and again he is going to make a new covenant with them. And he said, And all his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Obviously, he's speaking also about the future, when the people, all the people of Israel are really going to be obedient once he makes a covenant with them and writes his laws in their heart. And so the Thessalonians know all that. So when you read the statement about the, the, the Colossians or anybody else about the law, about the prophets, about the holidays, about the moon, the new moon, the Sabbath and all that, you always have to read it in the context. They're all members of the Commonwealth of Israel and these words are their own words now. And Moses commanded us a Torah for us. You see, because God gave it to him to give to Israel a heritage of the congregation, the word is Kehilat, and often it's Edah. You see, the body of witnesses that God called out of Egypt and gave them that name. That's the first time when he gave them that name. And from that time on, this is what he called them, and then when he called his disciples also, you are my witnesses, Edai. You see? Because all the rest, unfortunately, because they departed from God, they were no longer the witnesses of God as they should have been. Partially they were. But the disciples are called them to be fully the witnesses of God, as all the rest were supposed to be and will be in the future. And so he says, this Torah that God gave to Moses to give to Israel was the heritage that he gave to the body of witnesses of Jacob. And all those are going to be members of the commonwealth of Israel who have been grafted into it, not into a separate entity called the church, but they were grafted into Israel, and therefore into the laws of Israel. They must obey the laws of Israel. This is what they've been forgiven of by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is the faith that they had, that he will save them, and they knew that he is not going to save them unless they repent of their sins and iniquities against the Torah that he gave to his own people, Israel. And so they were grafted into Israel, and they did abide by the laws of Israel, in other words, the laws of God. Yet that law was a heritage that God gave to the body of witnesses of Jacob, to the congregation of Jacob, as it translated that here. And he was a king in Yeshurun, speaking about God, when the leaders of the people were gathered, and all the tribes of Israel together. And then he goes on with the blessings that he gave him. But God is going to, to uh, graft nations in the future, and as he was doing, you know, a few here and few there in the past 2,000 years, so they too may receive this inheritance that he gave to Israel, that is the Torah that he gave them. Not to something else, not a new theology, it's not a new religion. And then in Deuteronomy in chapter 32, we can read also uh, what uh, Moses wrote, also for the end time, not only for the people of Israel, but also for the nations who are going to be partakers of the commonwealth of Israel, and therefore obedient to the Torah that God gave Israel. In uh, Deuteronomy 32, and verse 41, we read this, uh, where God is speaking in essence about the deliverance that he's going to bring his people after the captivity because they've rebelled against him. He said in verse 44, I raise my hand to heaven. In other words, I'm swearing and say, as I live forever. You see, God is swearing. This is Jesus Christ, the God of Israel. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, because the day of judgment is coming, I will render judgment or vengeance to my enemies. Who are the enemies? The one that have taken Israel into captivity, and the people of God, and those who were grafted into them, 
That captivity is still coming ahead of us. And I will make my heirs drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. And all the prophets describe this. And in Zechariah 14, you read uh, uh, a final one there before the coming of Christ. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, at his coming. And so it says, And my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy, the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God. And then he says, after that, this is what Moses is saying, the man of God, Rejoice, O nations, O Gentiles, with his people. Not apart from his people, as we read earlier in the book of Romans, where the Apostle Paul told the Romans that the Gentiles are going to rejoice with the people of God, not apart from them, because they're going to become members of the commonwealth of Israel. That's why they're going to rejoice with them. For he will avenge the blood of his servants, and his servants are the people of God. In Revelation, you read it again, chapter 6, verse 10, then chapter 19, verse 2. The servants of God, children of Israel, members of the commonwealth of Israel, the majority of them Israelites, and some of them are the Gentiles, who are not Israelites also. And so God is going to avenge the blood of his servants, who are keeping the Torah of God, not the ones that are doing away with it. And he will render vengeance to his adversaries, and he will provide atonement for his land and his people. You see, the people of Israel is going to provide an atonement. He's going to, con- to uh, uh, take away their sins. He's going to nail them to the cross. Even though it's going to happen 2,000 years down the road. It doesn't make any difference. You know, two days, two minutes, two seconds to God. It's all the same. And Israel, again, will continue to keep now the Torah that he gave them originally in Sinai. Only now they're going to do it in the Spirit. And it's going to be written in their hearts. No more on two tables of stone. And so that's what Paul is telling the members of the body of Christ now, children of Israel now, by adoption, by being grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. He's telling them that. That they must be righteous and should not allow others to cheat them of their, of their uh, inheritance and they should be obedient to the faith and not uh, people who rebel against it as others. And before that, if you read the first, the first few verses of the chapter, he's speaking about the one who is lawless, that is, a, you know, one that rejects the Torah of God, who is going to deceive many and God is going to destroy that lawless person uh, verse 9, he says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. You see, Satan is the one that disobeys the law of God, and he wants to teach people to do likewise. That's how he deceived Adam and Eve. And he's going to destroy that person. And yet, people are going to follow him. People are going to believe those lies. Yes, the law of God is done away with. You know, we don't need to keep it. And people like that, who are in that state of mind, who reject the teachings of Moses, and the teachings of the prophets, and the teachings of the apostles, which are all the same, all teaching obedience to God, obedience to the Torah of God. He says, people who are in that state of mind, and they are to this very day, and unfortunately, an awful lot of them are the children of Israel, and some of them are those who have known are better, and were enlightened, and then they are going back to the old vomit. He says, people like that, in verse 11, for this reason, God will send them, that is Elohim, the Father of Jesus Christ, will send them a strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. What is a lie? You do not need to obey the law of God. You do not keep the law. You know, it's not for us. God, Christ did it for us. And so he says he's going to do it. He's going to send them a spirit of delusion. That is demons to deceive them. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. What is the truth? But had pleasure in unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? Only the Torah can tell you that. And that's the issue that he's talking about here. But in contrast, he says to the Thessalonians, Verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, because you didn't follow those lies. Brethren, be 
beloved by the eternal, by the, that is, by the Adon, by the Lord. You're beloved because you kept the law. You did not reject it because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification, and it is the word of God that sanctifies you. And that is the truth of God, the law of God, the Torah of God, the teachings of God. So it sanctified you by the Spirit. You see, God is writing the law in your heart. That's what the new covenant is all about. God is going to write his laws in the heart of the believers. That's how they were sanctified. By the Spirit, where God wrote the law in their heart. Not lawlessness. And belief in the truth. To which he called you by our tidings. Gospel tidings. For the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the glory of God? What is Jesus Christ the hope of glory? Well, if his word is in you, and you eat his word, and you drink his you know, his blood, and you eat his flesh, you become like him. That's the hope of glory. And you become like him in every way. And that's what he's talking about. You see, you've got to have a background to understand all these statements. And if you don't have, as an awful lot of people are reading it, they know absolutely nothing about what the Apostle Paul is, is uh, speaking here, and they get a totally different theology out of it. Totally mixed up. And uh, people who don't understand that, well, they get confused. And so he tells them, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. And by word, when they heard the word of the law, and they heard the words that the disciples taught, and the words of the prophets, and the words of Moses, he says, hold fast to those things. Don't give them up. Don't let others deceive you and tell you that you don't need to keep the law. And you'll just become like them. And then we uh, continue and uh, let's go back now to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. We should have begun with this and then continue the Second Thessalonians. But anyway, well, let's backtrack a little bit here. In First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, I thought I was reading First Thessalonians. Actually, I went to Second Thessalonians and I was reading those scriptures there. Uh, let's go back now to First Thessalonians. And uh, verse 13, this is what he tells him. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because... When you received the word of God, which is the Torah, uh, that he taught them, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively, effectively works in you who believe. You see, these people, like all many Gentiles that came to the synagogue, they were listening to the Torah of God, to the law and the prophets, to Moses, and they knew those things, and so when this... Uh, Servants of God, like Paul and others, came and preached, and they realized that's the same word. So they believed, they understood, they comprehended. This were not ignorant people. They didn't come out of the blue. God was not calling people just out of the blue, but people that already were receiving a background, by the mere fact that they were coming around the synagogue. You know, if you don't understand the context under which the apostle generally preached, you would not know what is really happening. Paul always went to the synagogues, and the people that were inside of the commonwealth of Israel who listened became uh, followers of Christ, of the God of Israel, and continue to walk now in the Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit. And the Gentiles that came around the synagogue who have been listening to the Torah and the prophets, they also believed and they too were being grafted. So these are the ones that generally got grafted. Not people in the market, not people in a way out there in the boonies, not people who knew nothing about anything that the apostles were teaching, but people who already had some kind of a background in the law and the prophets because they were coming to the synagogue. And that was basically the, the context of all the preaching of the apostle Paul, generally speaking. And uh, so he, he commanded them for it. Uh, but they became followers. And then verse 14 it says, For you, brethren, became imitators 
of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. You see, these are the ones that they were following. They were followings of the churches of Judea. Why? Because the people that were in Judea were the people of God, the commonwealth of God, and they were being grafted into the same commonwealth. And the people that were in the land of Israel, the people of God, who were all Jews, were all keepers of the law, of the Torah, of, of, of the prophets. So they followed that. Because to begin with, they were coming to the synagogue and hearing the same message. And Christ was not giving them a new message through the Apostle Paul. He was just magnifying the Torah and the prophets, just like he did in the flesh, to all these uh, people of Judah and the diaspora and all those who went to the synagogue among the Gentiles. And so that was natural for them to be imitators of the churches, of the congregations, of the Edot. Uh, well, Edah actually is for the entirety of it, but for the assemblies of uh, all the synagogues of Israel, because they were not Israelites. And so obviously they would be imitators. And so I said you became imitators of them, of the congregations of Christ that are in Judea, in the land of Israel. And you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, in other words, from the Jews. And just like it was with uh, the story of, uh, of Hagar, when the son of bondage persecuted the son of promise. And so it is again today. Uh, the children of Israel that were in bondage to sin, in other words, they were not totally obedient to the law of God and were not willing to accept the words of their Savior and God and Creator and the God of Israel or even Moses all the way, well, they began to persecute those who followed it all the way. And like manner also with the Gentiles. The countrymen, you know, who were disobedient to the Torah of God, obviously were going to make fun of them and hate it because to begin with, Satan is the one that puts uh, that hatred and disobedience in the hearts of men is going, is going to cause them to persecute those who obey God. And so this is what he tells him. You suffered just like they. You became followers of them, followers of the same Torah. It's not a new religion. You didn't follow a new religion. In verse 15 he said, who, who killed both the, the Lord Jesus, the Adon Jesus, that is Yeshua, and their own prophets. And they persecuted us, and they do not please God in our country to all men. In other words, they want to persecute. doesn't mean that all of them did persecute. But the ones that did. Because after all, many of them were converted. Many of them were sympathizers. And when Christ came on the scene preaching... Uh, the gospel of the message of the kingdom of God, generally speaking, the multitudes followed him. But the ones that were rebel rousers, the ones that Satan, in essence, will stir, and they were not generally the majority, they were the minority, they are the ones that Paul is speaking about here. And yet the Gentiles, the, you know, the, the false uh, uh, Gentiles, when I say false Gentiles, speaking about the ones that created the false church, the counterfeit church, they just put all the Jews in one package deal and said all of them were rebellious against God and now God, you know, threw them out and uh, he chose us and now we are the people of God and now the church is a Gentile church and now we are the Israel of God. Well, all these things were lies. They had nothing to do with the truth. Just perversion of it. And so, God is telling them through the Apostle Paul, now you became the kind of members of the commonwealth of Israel and therefore imitators or followers of the churches in Judea. That is, of the assemblies and the congregations of the synagogues in Judea. Because that's where they met, in the synagogue. And uh, the brethren did not separate themselves unless they were being persecuted by the leaders of the synagogue or by some rebel rousers within the community. And that's exactly what he told them. And then uh, we continue in Second uh, Thessalonians now. We read here in uh, chapter 2, Second Thessalonians, where he's warning them, and we read that part before, where by mistake we went to Second Thessalonians instead of 1st. But let's, let's read the first few verses, chapter 2. 
Uh, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, because they thought it was coming, and he's there, obviously, not to soon be shaken in mind or trouble, or, or trouble they either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of, the, of Christ, that is, of the Messiah, had come. Uh, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away come first, and the man of sin is revealed, and the son of perdition. Well, we read about it in terms of the man of lawlessness is going to teach, contrary to the Torah of God, is going to teach the people uh, that are not believing in God, as Christ said, many shall come in my name, and shall say that I am Christ, and shall claim to be Christians, followers of Christ, and whatever name they're going to give themselves, and they're going to deceive many. By telling people, well, you do not need to keep the law of God. You know, you've been, you've been saved by grace. And he's going to wage war, actually, against the people who are the genuine members of the body of Christ, members of the commonwealth of Israel, who are keeping the law, who are keeping the law of Moses, and the prophets, and the teachings of the disciples that magnified it. And so, this is what we read earlier. And uh, let's continue now with uh, the first theme, uh, Timothy. And uh, you have to realize that uh, Paul all along is basically uh, dealing with two churches and he's talking about, about you know, this uh, problem that was arising in the church. He was speaking about the mystery of iniquity and warning the Gentiles that became now Israelites about, uh, in essence, the two religions uh, that were uh, at the time. The true religion, which was still the same from Sinai, the God-given religion, that God gave to Israel, for all of Israel to keep forever, into which they are being grafted, and also a false religion that is rising, that is in essence a continuation of another false religion, that was a Babylonian religion, that was there from the, begin from the beginning when Abraham was called out of that religion, out of that land, out of that community. And that false religion is now uh, sort of evolving into something else, now picking up some ideas and concepts from uh, the teachings of the disciples and the law, the Torah of God, because after all, they still had a measure of knowledge and understanding of God themselves, and they're mixing the two together, and they're trying to deceive the people that God is now calling into the commonwealth of Israel. And so he's contrasting, in essence, the true church and the counterfeit church, the old one and the new one. That is, the old one that was Babylonish religion, and then the new one that is, again, a, a, a manifestation of the same religion, only now with different elements, because now they're appropriating Christ, appropriating His name, appropriating some of his teachings, and yet they inject all their lies into it. And one of each is, you don't have to obey the Torah of God, and many other things like that, and now uh, claiming to be the true church of God, and so they were beginning to deceive many, and many followed it. Because the, the masses didn't have the, the word of God, they didn't have the disciples coming to them, and they had the false prophets instead, and so they believed everything they told them. And also like the idea of having a savior and having redemption and all those things where you don't have to do anything about it, just just, just accept it by faith. And to this very day, uh, they've done it, and that's why there is this counterfeit church. And so he's warning them against it. And so in First uh, Timothy, we continue the story here, in chapter 1 and verse 8, we read, But we know that the Torah is good if one uses it lawfully. You see? You can abuse it also. You can use it deceitfully. But the Torah is good. So Paul never taught anything contrary to the Torah. He's been always faithful. He remained a Pharisee to the end of his life. And he said that plainly, I am a Pharisee. He didn't say, I used to be. He said, I am. And as a Pharisee, he kept it in a very, very 
meticulous way. He wasn't liberalizing it. He wasn't playing games with it. And so he says, I know, uh, we know, all of us, speaking to Timothy, speaking to all the brethren, speaking to all those who are now Gentiles uh, and uh, converted into uh, the commonwealth of Israel, he says, we all know that the Torah is good because he never told them otherwise. He never told, told them that the Torah was done, done away with. That's a man of lawlessness and all the ministry of iniquity preachers. They were teaching those lies. And so he says, uh, we know that the Torah is good. And then he speaks in contrast uh, about the people that uh, come in the name of the Torah and yet they deceive people, as he said in verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the Torah, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. And that's what Christ was saying. Many shall come in my name, saying that I am Christ, claiming to be Christians, and shall deceive many because they are unlearned in the law, unlearned in the Torah. And so in verse 9, Paul says, knowing this, that the Torah is not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinners, and for the unholy profane and murderers, the fathers and murderers. In other words, when you obey the Torah, it's written in your heart. And when it's written in your heart, you don't need to be told, do this or do that. You already do it by nature. That's your nature. That's your mind. That's your character. But for the people who are disobedient to the Torah, then the Torah needs to be spoken to them and tell them, stop killing, stop murdering, stop stealing. Don't do this and don't do that, you see? That's in essence what he's talking about here. It's not that righteous people can say, well, I'm righteous, I don't need the Torah. See, again, when you do not understand what Paul is speaking, you get confused. And a lot of people were confused by his writing. Because not having the background, they don't know what he's talking about. And so he says, uh, the Torah is made. In other words, the Torah, the Torah needs to be uh, spoken and stated to people who do not obey the Torah. And so he says in verse uh, 10, he includes more categories. They're fornicators and sodomites. Uh, today, uh, you know, they call them uh, homosexuals, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound teaching or doctrine, sound teaching, the teachings of the law, teachings of the Torah, anything that is contrary to it, people who are walking in disobedience need to be told about those things. And it is made for them. But the people who already walk in it, you don't need to remind them because that's already their nature. You don't need to go and tell God, you know, don't do this and don't do that. He's God. He's perfect. He's righteous. You see? And people who become like God and become godly, they too. They don't need to be told those things. But if you, if we do those things, then we need to be told. And that's why he oftentimes rebuked the church, the congregation, wherever he went, or in whatever city. He rebuked all of them for disobedience to the Torah. You see? And that's what he's talking about here. People who do not walk in the law, they need to be reminded of that. And to be, you know, rebuked sharply, as he told Timothy, you know, exhort, teach, with all sharpness, you know, the, that is the people who do, who do not obey the Torah. And so he says, that's the way it is, according to the glorious tidings, or gospel, of the blessed God, that is of Elohim, which was committed to my trust. So he went around all over teaching the Torah, not teaching disobedience to the Torah. And therefore he tells him, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor. In other words, the Torah before that condemned him for being disobedient to the Torah. And now that he has the Torah written in his heart, he obviously don't do, he doesn't do those things anymore. 
And so God delivered him from that. And it was the grace of God that delivers us from disobedience to the Torah. So what? So we can now continue to disobey? No. So now that God forgives us by His grace and His mercy, we can now obey it not only in the letter but also in the spirit. And it becomes even much more binding for us. And that's exactly what He taught all the congregations. And He's not uh, about to in invent a new religion and call it the Christianity where you don't have to obey the Torah. And you follow a false god and a false teaching and a false gospel and false, you know, tidings and everything else and you end up in the wrong place too. Because nobody goes up to heaven as far as the Christ made very plain. No man has ascended up to heaven but the man, the son of man that came down from heaven. And he said it so many times and Moses said it and the prophets said it. And yet, this were the teachings of the false church. And people believed it. And uh, in uh, chapter 2 of Timothy, uh, the apostle Paul continues... In verse 3, we read, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. In other words, to walk in godliness, to walk in righteousness, in other words, to walk in the law of God, in the Torah of God. It is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? You see? Yeah, that When you repent, as Christ came on the scene, that's the first thing that he said. The kingdom, you know, repent, for the kingdom of, of God is at hand. He came preaching the kingdom of God. And the first thing he said you must do is repent of transgressing the Torah. Because you're not going to be in that kingdom unless you repent of transgressing the Torah. And you can repent by keeping it and obeying to it. Obeying it, that is. And so he says, this is acceptable, that's good. And so he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because they've been deceived to believe you don't have to obey God. And yet... The Apostle Paul, in the entirety of his ministry, wherever he went, all around the world, that is the world of the time, he taught all of them to obey God, to obey the Torah, to walk in it, not against it. Anyway, we're going to start at this point. This is Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.